<laughs> I'm pretty sure that was like a mouth fart noise, but anywho, uh, <laughs> welcome to Manfully Live Podcast, where beatboxing is all semi-professional, and the jokes are mostly dad jokes. For real. All dad, all the time. <laughs> Manfully Live Podcast, my name is Mike with a mic, and next to me is... Deacon Nick. If this is the very first time you are tuning into this podcast, welcome and congratulations. You have stumbled upon something wonderful. What that wonderful thing is, we are still learning about. Every day. <laughs> the purpose of this podcast is to become a man fully alive. And how do you become a man fully alive? It's based off the quote from St. Irenaeus that the glory of God, to experience the glory of God, is man fully alive. We want to experience this glory of God, but we need to become fully alive. And in order to become fully alive, we need to be fully united with the only man who is fully alive, Jesus. And really, how do you get to know your friends at all? Yeah, I mean, you've got to spend time with them, right? You've got to know their likes, their dislikes, uh, who they are as a person. Yeah. So how we get to know Jesus is by using his likes and dislikes and having a conversation with the most recorded spoken man in history, Christ. I mean, there's four different accounts of the same stuff happening, and they all agree with each other. <laughs> so uh, the Gospels are how we do that. So we get to know Christ through the Gospel in this podcast, and we discuss the masculine implications that lie within to bring us to become that man fully alive. Yeah, and in, and in, and in becoming fully alive, we glorify God because... God God teaches us and shows us who we truly are. The more we get to know him, the more he reveals us to ourselves. Yeah, man reveals him to himself, right? God reveals man to himself, right? Yeah, yeah. I really butchered that quote, but yeah, you got the idea. Um, <laughs> so we've got uh, last week's challenge uh, that we're going to go into, but before we get into that, let us begin with a prayer. Uh, you want to take that out? Sure. In the, name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for... Uh, the season of Easter that we've just wrapped up, thank you for the great feast of your body and blood that we just celebrated. And thank you now for this new season, the season of life, the season of ordinary time. But we ask you, Lord, to help us to make it anything but ordinary as we seek to do your will and seek to become fully alive. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week's challenge was to allow the, the, the mystery of the body and blood of Christ, you know, made present in the Eucharist, to change you, to come into your life and to overwhelm, move past the senses that are, that are uniquely human to us, and to allow it to affect you as a human man. And, you know, I was going up to, I was going up to, uh, Eucharist this past Sunday, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the line for communion, and my kids, the whole of Mass, had just kind of been climbing over, and honestly, it feels like at this stage in life, I have a four-year-old girl, a two-year-old boy, and a two-month-old boy, uh, that really, I've, I've never had so many distractions with me at Mass, just local to myself, outside of the other and, you know, number ones that come throughout the whole church. But sure. I'm, I'm holding Henry, and the only time he's quiet, right, is when we're in motion towards the Eucharist. 
and interesting. But I, uh, I bow, I receive the body of Christ, and then uh, I'd had a little cold because of the allergies had just been so bad. Um, so I went to the line for, for the wine, and I just, I bowed. And I didn't receive, but I was just thinking about that. I just took the body and blood of Christ because they're, you know, the, the species are one with themselves, right? Um, within myself. And, you know, I don't usually give it a second thought, but this week I allowed it to have a second thought. And I thought, you know, there are times where I struggle to see this as the true presence of Christ. That human emotion of just my sight can fault me and the way it feels on my tongue you know feels like bread but knowing that there is a reality present there but I don't fully comprehend being that I am shrouded in sin and I am not of perfect faith and it was it was kind of just this unique beautiful moment where I just kind of sat it was the only time Henry wasn't climbing over my face <laughs> um, or driving a car over me, you know, right? The way kids do. But I just, I just waited there, just waited there in that moment. And I knelt and I just kind of hugged him, and he puts his head down on my shoulder and he's quiet for a couple minutes. And I just received the the Lord of the universe into my mouth. You know, he's now a part of my flesh, blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh, right? I don't know if it transformed anything, you know. I don't know if I allowed it to transform anything. But just the acknowledgement that there is something here that I don't fully understand, Lord, and I need your help. Maybe that was a transforming moment of just relinquishing that control to the Lord, knowing in faith that I believe what I am taught, that this is the body and blood of Christ. This is uniquely the food for the journey. And that the only way I'm going to have salvation is by receiving Christ's body and blood into me. It's powerful. It's awesome. I also had a, uh, a great experience of the Eucharist this week. Uh, sort of because I, I had a, a difficult week. I was actually in the hospital uh, for all of it, uh, for the entire week. And... We haven't really ever talked about that. You realize that? Yeah, that's right. That's true. I was in the hospital. I, well, because I have uh, cystic fibrosis, so I have a lung disease that causes me to have recurring lung infections, which causes me to need antibiotics. So I'm in pretty often every two or three months. Um, and so I was in this past week. And when I'm sick, you know, I get I get tired and I'm down, and it's hard for me to... to uh, mentally or emotionally deal with everything that's going on. And so I, I find that uh, a tremendous help to me is the fact that the good people of uh, both St. Joseph and St. Agnes Parish come to the hospital to bring communion to the sick. And so I was able to receive communion every single day of the week. And uh, the grace of the sacrament was amazing, you know, as it always is. But when I'm sick and in such need, I... I recognize it even more mm -hmm. um 
uh, because my defenses are down, my energy level is down, my uh, ability to deal with the world or the problems around me are, are, are down. You're less overwhelmed by the world and more real, realizing your own needs. Sure. Your own need for God, right? Right, right. And, and he comes to me in the Eucharist, and uh, I just found that to be a great blessing this week. Um, and, you know, it, one Eucharist, one single reception of the Eucharist can, can give you all the grace you need for your entire life. Um, but at the same time, at least for me, and I think for most, it, it's hard for us to open ourselves up to all that grace, to allow God to be so transformative all at once. Yeah. Um, and yet in his faithfulness, in his kindness and goodness, Jesus continues to come to us, continues to grace us and bless us. And so uh, for that, I just found myself being very thankful this week. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've heard it said that the only prayer we can give to God that he can't give to himself is gratitude. Hmm. Right? Nice. I like that. It's crazy. Anywho, uh, so last week's challenge was to allow the... the true presence of, of Christ in the Eucharist to change you, to transform you. And it, it's a hard one. It's a lifelong challenge. And we try to try to sometimes put lifelong challenges into a weekly, <laughs> a weekly challenge, but that's one you can definitely carry with you because this is the source and summit of our faith. And it's important. It's important to dwell on the mysteries because only in, unraveling those do we get to know christ more and more intimately and i think dwelling on them in particular is very important because it's easy to just fly through them or fly past them it's easy to receive the great mysteries of god and not think twice about it like you said you know mm -hmm. um so yeah it's precisely in taking these moments and asking ourselves what does this mean and what does this do and yeah. how does it affect my life so why don't we get into this week's reading and this week, uh, it comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus came home with his disciples. Again, the crowd gathered, making it impossible for them even to eat. When his relatives heard of this, they set out to seize him, for they said, He is out of his mind. The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Summoning them, he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder the house. Amen, I say to you, all sins and blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness. But he is guilty of an everlasting sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. His mother and his brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, Your mother and brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, Who are my mothers and my who who are my mother 
and my brothers. And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's a long gospel. It's a lot, yeah. a lot to unpack in this. Um, and just for our listeners, we're not going to unpack, unpack the whole thing. We just got a couple points. Right, yes. That, that we want to focus on. This is not all that is to be taken away from this gospel, but... No, just like any gospel, you know, you could you could have, uh, you know, entire classes on, on each one every week. But, you know, just to unpack this a little bit, I think I would start at the beginning where, where Jesus is talking about a kingdom that is divided. He says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And I think one of the takeaways for us uh, who are... Catholics uh, reading or hearing this on a Sunday. Christians. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Anytime we hear this, I think a good takeaway is that um, it is very important that we as Christians are united. Um, not only in mind, not only in worship, but but even in belief, you know. And, uh, and that can be very, very difficult. You know, Jesus himself prays for unity of the church in, in John's gospel. And... Here he's talking about how a, a, a house divided will, will fall, cannot stand. And even though we know as Catholics that we have the protection of the Holy Spirit, we still need to strive towards unity. It's important that we think with the mind of the church, which means it, it really puts a responsibility on each person within the church to learn their faith to learn what the church teaches and why the church teaches it so that we yeah. can approach the faith in union with and, one another. And, and especially, we I mean, we did a whole episode just on the issue of doubt where Thomas was doubting, right? Yeah. Doubt is is needs to be understood as an impetus to seek clarity, to, yes. to understand why the church teaches something. You know, oh, the church teaches this, and I disagree with that. But you don't really never take the step or the initiative to understand why they teach that because so many times it's beautiful. I mean, the, the even the concept of sex being reserved for the marriage bed, the yes. marital bed, it's because you cannot freely give a gift if that gift is given away every time you run into someone, right? And, and, and our sexuality is a gift. So understanding our faith is, is so essential to understanding ourselves because right. our our dignity is upheld in our faith right whether it's any of the sexual moral laws whether it's any of the, the philosophical yeah yeah or, or or even the authority of the pope or our understanding of mary any of these things you know if 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 there's a level of uncertainty if there's doubt or if there's outright rebellion it's imperative that people take the time to learn and to learn in an environment where it's not trying to win an argument but trying mm -hmm. to simply learn what it is that the church teaches in its purest form yeah seeking understanding for yes. the sake of understanding because understanding is a fruit of the spirit absolutely and if we don't as christians individually take that on as a responsibility we will be a house divided yeah well, and, and that's a big that's a big point. Realizing that Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father are purely one hundred percent united is a big completely, deal. Completely, yes. Completely, intimately, yes. cannot be divi cannot be divided and cannot be separated from one another. 
So that's, that's one nuance to this. But also understanding that the house of Satan, all evil, right? They are all united in the purpose of destruction, right? Demons, lesser demons, greater demons, Satan himself. The whole house of Satan is united in its purpose of destruction. Right. And it, it's important when, when Christ is saying this, if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. So it's also true when you have these houses that aren't united, right? Husband and wife, non-united, the house eventually crumbles. The, the parents not united with, with their children, the house can crumble. And unification comes from the Lord. And uniting ourselves with the Lord allows us to unite ourselves more fully with the whole of humanity. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, and I think uh, the, the unity that we're called to in the first part of the gospel leads us to the unity that ha happens within ourselves, the unity that is necessary uh, for the spiritual well-being of the individual when we start talking about um, forgiveness and guilt and sin, which Jesus uh, talks about towards the end of the gospel. He says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. Um, and even though these are harsh words from Jesus, we can take them as actually words of, of comfort if we realize that what he's calling us to is to always seek his forgiveness, to always be willing to, to give over our sins and our blasphemies so that they can be forgiven. The only thing that isn't forgivable are those things that we do not offer up, that we are not sorry for, or that we somehow think we are unforgivable. Mm -hmm. if, if we ever doubt God's ability to have mercy on us, then we're right. Mercy will not be there because we're, we're bending against God's mercy, right? I mean, how, how can God give mercy if we will not seek it? And do not believe it to be there. Nor accept it when it's being freely offered. Right. That's a it's it's just a big, big, big topic. The I like I like that you said that he when they say in the in the gospel here, for they said he has an unclean spirit. They themselves are thinking they're talking only about Jesus's spirit. But what they don't realize is that Jesus's spirit is a total other person of the Trinity, right? the Holy Spirit, yes. right? And blaspheming against the one who is the great forgiver is the unforgivable sin. Now, keep yeah. in mind, there can be forgiveness sought as long as you are receptive to receive forgiveness from that which brings the forgiveness, which is the Holy Spirit. Right. But they're assuming that they're assuming evil intent on this part, on the part of the Holy Spirit, which yeah. is which is so antithetical to reality. Yeah. Um, yes. Jesus it's, it's impossible. Spirit, it, it is impossible. It is an impossibility. Jesus' spirit is the Holy Spirit, which is why he makes the, the the first point about you know how can a devil you know kick out the devil? Well, yeah. well, no. In the same way, how could a devil be present within Jesus because his spirit is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah, source of all awesome. good, source of all happiness, source of all peace. That's the awesome. love that exists between the Father and the Son. Well, cool. And I think even more so if we're, if we're talking about this unification between God and the Holy Spirit, 
we also seek that same unification between our will and the will of the God. And he's talking about this. Who are my brothers? Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And so Christ has given us free will. Okay? Free will to freely, with the fullness of our intellect, the fullness of our will, and a very clear choice to choose the Lord right to choose the will of god for ourselves yeah but think about this when we are overwhelmed with uh, i'll give you an example like sexual sin if you have an addiction to pornography right if you have an addiction to sexual intercourse if you have an addiction to drugs you have given your will away to something that has violated it and that's the way that that the devil works in us is he tries to violate that free will and bend it to his right It'll he tries to it. take away that freeness of our will that is made free in how christ approaches us you always say jesus is the ultimate gentleman mm -hmm. god the father is the ultimate gentleman yes. the holy spirit is the ultimate gentleman because they are waiting for you inviting loving yeah standing here literally with their hands out waiting for you to reach out and grab their hand yeah, to accept the invitation. That's absolutely right. You know, and, and we we do well to remember that, that Jesus says, you know, several times in Scripture we hear Jesus say lines like, you know, um, if you love me, you will follow my commands. Mm -hmm. Or I no longer call you strangers, but I call you friends because you have followed my commands and I have shared with you all that the Father has told me. You know, when we do the will of God, we become free, and by, by becoming free, we become men fully alive. Mm -hmm. um, I can't undersell or understate the fact that we will experience real, immense, deep joy if only we will surrender our will to live uh, out God's will for us in our lives. Yeah. Um, and yet everything about yes. our world, everything about so many of our relationships and even the, the advertisements we see, and, and the things that we're enticed to in the world and Satan himself are all going to tell us the opposite uh, message. They're going to say, no, follow your will. Seek what you think is going to make you happy. And that is freedom. Seeking your will is freedom. And that, really, that's what they say. That's, that's, the, that's the biggest distortion because yes. it's, it's now, as opposed to you being free, you have become a slave to the desires Right. A slave to the distortions of your spirit. Right. Rather than seeking God's will and truly being happy, we, we pounce on the impulses of our heart that are not fully formed. We're not formed well. So what do we pounce on? We pounce on pornography or we pounce on materialism or we pounce on gluttony, whatever it is. Yeah, sloth, laziness, right. whatever you want to call it. And we become chained to those things and we lose our freedom the instant that we trade that for the for the authentic will of God in our life. So in closing, I think one of the points I'd like to make, uh, not about the gospel so much, but about uh, the way in which we battle against Satan so that we can have a house that is not divided but unified, is, is to remember that the devil's biggest trick that he plays over and over and over again is that he will always attack us where we are weakest. Mm -hmm. So wherever it is that we are tempted naturally, 
in our life is where he's going to try to push us over the edge because he knows that that's an easy place to push us, right? Yeah. So if I have lust in my heart, sort of on a daily basis, he will push right there and he'll push us from lust into addiction, right? Yeah. As, yeah. as as easy, as much as he possibly can. Especially and, if we've already become comfortable with dwelling on lust and precisely. dwelling in that pathway of, oh, she's pretty or, oh, right. yeah. And it's a not not a far cry for him to say, "Well, dwell on that some more. Yeah. Keep keep enticing Just yourself. Savor this. Yeah, exactly. Savor this. Exactly. That, you know what? That should be for you." And so I think in in trying to find a challenge for this week out of the gospel, I think it's it's very appropriate for us to be mindful of the way in which uh, the evil one attacks us. He yeah. attacks us at our weakest points. And what's particularly important is not only to identify what those weak points are but to consciously and purposefully take those weak points and to offer them to God. Yeah. I think about this whenever you're talking about uh, sexual sin, because it's so prevalent in our culture. Yes, it is. Um, so if the devil has a foothold of lust in your life, and that is a regular place where you fall, but you have yet to relinquish that, that would be the challenge then for this week. Find the places where the devil has gained this foothold, where he has created a neurological pathway between you and sin, right? Where every time I see this commercial or every time I watch this type of content, and if it's ever this time of day when these sort of things happen, and I'm using lust as an example here, but it very well could be every time you walk past the snack cabinet at your office, you're you know, pigging out. Right. It, it could be. It could be uh, so much as just uncontrolled anger when you're in the car. Sure. You know, this guy cut me off. I'm going to swear at him and dwell on the horrid person that this man <laughs> is the rest of the ride home and oh. let it destroy my mood. So I am angry when I walk in the door for my family. Yeah. You know, it's 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 evaluating those places where there is not a godly part of yourself, or there's a lack of God. Right. And those are the places where we need to welcome the Holy Spirit into and, more importantly, fortify against. You need to break break that pattern because the devil works in habits. You know, if every time you get in the car, you turn on, and I'm not saying this like metal, all metal is bad music because, you know, Metallica is one of my favorite bands, right? But the the... The point is, is if, if you've set up a pattern that always leads to you being angry in the car, maybe every time you get in the car, you now have a, uh, you know, a, a metal, a metal waiting for you that you would just hold, you know, maybe St. Christopher and just say, uh, St. Christopher, be with me on this ride. And may I smile at every person that cuts me off and, and say a Hail Mary for the intentions that are most dear in their life. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the word that you use to fortify. And I think what that means is find the little tricks, find the little things that help you break the habit or break the, the sequence that leads you to the sin. Yeah. And, and build those defenses high because all, all holiness is, is it's, it's a series of holy actions repeated over and over. Holiness is a habit just as much as sin is a habit. And, that's what we're trying to get to, to become this man fully alive. We have to be more united with Christ. And getting to know Christ is a habit, just as sin is a habit. Absolutely, yeah. And, and 
you're going to feed one or the other, so you might as well feed your relationship with Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we take it out in prayer? You want me to Could you I me do this one? Yeah, you're right. right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you, you, you remind us in the Scripture today that here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Lord, we, we desire to be your brother and your sister and your mother and your friend because we desire the happiness and the joy and the, and the, the feeling of purpose and the feeling of overwhelming gratitude for the life that we have. But so often we're blinded by our own desires for, uh, for, for just earthly satisfaction. And the satisfaction you offer us goes so far beyond that. But sometimes we just get, we get distracted, Lord. So please, this week, as we start to evaluate the places where we are drawn to sin, please draw near to us and keep us safe in those moments and keep us vigilant so that when we see the places we are most weak, you see and create opportunities in us for us to be strong. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. This was a, a pretty powerful episode, and uh, this is the uh, first Sunday back into uh, Ordinary Time. So this is the 10th Sunday in Ordinary Time, June 10th, for Manfully Alive Podcast. My name is Mike with a mic. And this is Deacon Nick. Signing off.